You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. It's hour two. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Come on in, stay a while on this Wednesday. Spend some time with Peter King, first hour, talking about overtime. If you missed any of our interviews, you can uh, go back to danpatrick.com or listen on the podcast. We'll talk to the Chargers head coach, Brandon Staley. He'll join us coming up in a moment. Touched on Tiger at Augusta, who's the MVP right now in the NBA. And, uh, of course, the overtime rules. Roger Goodell addressed uh, what's going on with Deshaun Watson and also Daniel Snyder. We'll uh, have more thoughts on that coming up. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. Poll question for the first hour, and are we keeping that for the second hour, Seton? Dan, we had up uh, who's your M- uh, NBA MVP right now. It's basically a three-way tie between Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, and uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Oh, uh, Luca and LeBron are down there, but they're not really getting a lot of votes. Right All right. Now. Are we going to stay with that for the second hour? Um, we can stay with that. We can also switch it up. We've got a few other options. Okay. We've got uh, what we're calling the honorary super bad movie poll. Oh, well, hold on. Hold off on that. Okay. Hold off on that. All right. Do we have anything that pertains to overtime? Um, yes, we do. As a matter of fact, uh, Paul sent this one in. Oh. If you were a coach and won the overtime toss, would you take the ball and go for two if we score, or would you kick off and get the ball second? All right, let's bring in Brandon Staley, the Chargers head coach. Coach, I'll start right there with you. You're an analytics guy. Strategy-wise, now with overtime and both teams get the ball, what do you think you're going to be uh, leaning towards if you go into overtime in the postseason? Well, it's good to be with you, Dan. Hopefully you can appreciate that Dayton Flyer helmet in the back of uh, this movie. Looks pretty. Um Really good to be with you. Uh, yeah, it's. By the way, uh, you have to join the list of John Gruden and Chuck Knoll as, you know, University of Dayton grads who went on to win a Super Bowl. So no pressure there, but you need to, ju- you know, jump in uh, into that group there. Yeah, or join, you know, guys like Dan Patrick who have become a sports icon, mm. starting, starting his own show, pioneer. Yeah. You know, well, that was McVeigh. Sean McVeigh was on that list. Sean McVeigh was going to go into the media, you know, not you. Yeah, his, yeah, McVeigh claims Dayton through his grandpa, I think. So, well, we're going to have to look into that a little bit. But um, yeah, it's. I mean, yesterday was a an important day for the league, and there was a lot of really good discussion. I think being a part of the discussions, you see that the the future of the league is really important to the people in it, and there was a lot of um, good dialogue. I think healthy discussion and. Uh, I think that we came to the conclusion that the postseason was where really the, the change needed to be made. And uh, I think that as, as you saw with the vote that, um, you know, that there was a you know, really you know, significant support for it. So uh, I think that it is going to change things when you don't have that sudden death element. Um, I do think that there's going to be some you know, different calculation as you head um, into the game. And I think that now when you're guaranteeing both possessions, um, you know, which side of the field you're on, hey, you know, wind, you know, that sort of thing, knowing that you are going to get an op, um, you know, it's just like that. It's that information advantage that you have by possibly deferring um, because you don't have that sudden death element. So uh, and I think the thinking is that if uh, you did go down and score and, and, and kick an extra point that, hey, the likelihood of the, the second team going down and not going for two to win it, um, you know, they're saying is, is low. But um, if you did, if it did end up going, you know, score PAT, score PAT, that next score would, would, would finish it. And, and I think that there was just a lot of discussion of, hey, past this initial period, 
hey, then what's going to happen? Is there is there still a time element, which there will be? You're going to flip the field and just head in a different direction. So uh, it was it was a good resolution. And and now we're uh, we're finally headed towards something. Are you OK with the overtime rule in the regular season? Yes. You know, I think, the you know, our position with the Chargers was that the rules are already different in the postseason uh, as opposed to the regular season. Um, you know, in the regular season, you can end in a tie postseason. You can't. So the rules are already different. And and so we support uh, we support the things staying the way um, it is in, in the regular season. What was your initial reaction when you learned that Tyreek Hill was no longer in the AFC West? Yes, one of those really significant moves that was sort of the theme of this offseason. Um, you know, I think defending the guy over the course of these, you know, however long I've been in the NFL, um, he's definitely a dangerous player. One of the most, I think, dangerous weapons that's ever played in the National Football League. Uh, but at the same time, one of the most dangerous players to ever play in the NFL uh, is the guy who was throwing it to him. So <laughs> that, that guy's still that guy's still there. Um, they've got a team, which is the reason why they've been to the AFC Championship game two, three or four years in a row. And so it was a monster move for sure. Um, I've got full respect for him. He's still in the AFC. So uh, we're still going to be running into that guy. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that, you know, Kansas City's resume speaks for itself. And the competition, I think, Dan, what you're seeing is it's, it's as fierce as it's ever been in the league, which is good for the league. I wonder, it felt like the defensive strategy last year against Kansas City was keep everything in front of you. No home run plays. And really, you would give Mahomes – 10, 12, 15 yards, you're just not going to give him that opportunity to break something big. And it seemed to frustrate him. It, it, is the league, do you think that was a kind of a philosophy there, group philosophy going against Kansas City? Well, I think everyone, you know, has been searching for, for several years a formula that can work for them. Um, and there aren't too many good ones, that's for sure. Uh, but I think, you know, you just got to take into consideration who they have over there, uh, who's, who's throwing the football, and, and kind of how he plays and then who those weapons are he's throwing to. I mean, starting with Tyreek and Travis, you know, those are two of the best players at their positions in the history of the game and kind of how they play off schedule with Pat, who's such a dangerous thrower on the move and he's accurate in the deep part of the field on the move. Um, and, you know, kind of the miraculous really isn't that big of a miracle with him because he does it all the time. Uh, and then they just got a lot of team speed elsewhere outside of those three players. So I think, um, that certainly was a strategy, but I think that's probably too uh, too vague of a, of a way of describing it um, because you still got to be connected with these guys. If you're playing zone, um, these guys are, you know, he's going to throw for 80 to 90 percent. He'll throw for 450 or 500. Um, you may it may take him longer to score, but he's still going to score. So you, you have to still decide how you're going to play the game. And um, but again, that's why, what makes them such a challenging cover. What did you learn in your first year that might surprise me? I think that uh, in my first year, I think the way I describe it is that everything was happening for the first time all the time. So if you can imagine that every day, something's happening to you for the first time. Um, and I think that a lot of people would say like, hey, is that is that stressful? You know, and I would say my response to that was I, I felt like it was energizing because I knew how good I needed to be every single day in order to make those improvements. And um, I think that I got a lot better from the first time. I think I interviewed with you when I got hired to, to this interview. Uh, I know how much I've improved and I know how much better I am uh, in my own game 
Um, but that first year went by fast. Everybody said that it would. And I think uh, for that reason that I mentioned, uh, that that was a big contributing factor. But also you're getting in front of the media after a tough loss. Whereas when you were a coordinator, you don't have to talk to the media. What's that like? You lose a game, gather your thoughts, and then go get peppered with questions. Well, I think it was like when I was playing at quarterback, you kind of have that responsibility if it doesn't go down, you know? And, and so I think that having played that position, that, that kind of uniquely prepares you growing up being a, a quarterback and a point guard, uh, you're kind of faced when it doesn't go down, that, that everyone's looking at you. So um, I think that um, there was, you know, that finality when you lose in the NFL. I think um, being in the NFL, you see it, you see, uh, and everyone talks about it that way. But I think being the head coach and knowing that, hey, you're responsible for a lot, a lot of people, forget, forget, you know, um, the game itself, but just the people that were playing in the game and the people, your fans, who this means so much for, um, you're accountable for that. And, and it's, a, it's a great responsibility. And that's why when you go in front of the media after a tough game, you know, you have to be on, you know, to make sure that um, you do your best to explain what happened and to the best of your ability. And, and that's what I tried to do this year. I ask about your impressions uh, when Tyreek Hill left the AFC West. Your uh, initial reaction when Russell Wilson joined the AFC West? Yeah, I mean, competition is fierce. And I think that, um, you know, I've, I've played against Russell a lot in my NFL career, watched him uh, throughout his whole career. I mean, going back to NC State, Wisconsin, um, you know, he's, he's one of the tremendous players at that position in uh, in the NFL. And uh, when I was with the Rams, we had to face him three times in one season and, and twice in three weeks uh, at the end of the season. So uh, it just, again, it's, it's special for the league. Uh, and, and he's one of those players that plays, you know, one of the most important positions in sports. So uh, I think it, it, it's going to bring out the best in everybody for sure. Does Sean McVay rub it in that he's got a Super Bowl ring? Does he just, you know, does he send you a, a text or something or when he sees you, hey, I want you to address me as Super Bowl winning coach, anything like that? No, nah, Sean's too uh, too humble to do that. And, and he knows better than to do that. Uh, but um, no, he, he would never do something like that because he, the game, you know, how you do things <laughs> matters to him. Um He's you know, got to have fun with you, though, Brandon. No, nah, he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't go there because, um, uh, you know, we play on this year. So, uh, <laughs> you know, um, but um, no, Sean, uh, Sean deserves everything that he that he's um, achieved, and including this year. He was fantastic. He did a really good job coaching that team. And that's what I told him. You know, I just told him, I was like, I thought you did a really good job coaching your team because People talk about the end and kind of their players who they joined up with, but there was a stretch there in the middle where I don't think anyone was predicting that the Rams yeah. uh, were going to make it to victory lane. And um, that's the sign of an organization that um, that's, that's built to last to be able to respond to a tough stretch. And, and that's what they did. Who do you get mistaken for? <laughs> Man, damn that, that, I don't know if I was ready for that one. Um, I don't know that. <laughs> well, you're in that. L.A. I mean, did you ever been mistaken identity for an actor? Uh, I don't know. I, I've gotten some Johnny Knoxville comps in the past. <laughs> um, uh, you know, there was like a, a time there. Um, you know, I kind of, you know, and I'm the same age as Matt Weiner, uh, who, you know, former quarterback. Uh, you know, but um, those are two names that have been thrown out there in okay. the past. I don't know how accurate they are. Um, right. And then. 
you know, throughout the year, I was getting peppered with these questions about this Ted Lasso guy. So um, I haven't watched that show yet, but I'm, I'm told that I need to. So Amy and I may join up with that show here soon. I kind of see Peter Brady from the Brady Bunch. You know what, Dan, now that you mentioned that, I've heard about that. And again, <laughs> that was kind of before my time, uh, which probably dates me a little bit um, on the youthful side. But I, I didn't join up with that show as a young kid. So. Well, if you Google Peter Brady, you might go, okay. I, I, yeah, he's got a point. It's yeah, not a, It's not it. an insult. It's not an insult. Uh, yeah, that was a successful show. Now. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Uh, and Johnny Knoxville, I could see that. He even had the, the voice kind of raspy in there. I could see that. Get those glasses on. I could see that. Maybe bring yeah, Johnny, Johnny Knoxville good, to practice. Johnny had a great run, man. He's still doing it. Yes, so he is. Got a lot of respect for that guy. Hey, great to talk to you. Enjoy the offseason. Good luck in the draft, and uh, always great to visit with you. Thanks, Dan, for having me. That's uh, Brandon Staley, Chargers head coach. You know, these guys get ready for the questions, get a little programmed, and then all of a sudden you slip in, who do you uh, get mistaken for? Not ready for that. That's, that's the Mahomes in me. You know, I, I can still surprise you a little bit there. Had to throw him off his game a little bit. I knew he had a couple of them in there. Yeah. I didn't get Ted Lasso. Johnny Knoxville, I get that. Peter Brady, though, to me, when I saw his picture this morning that he was going to be on the show, I said, Peter Brady, huh? <laughs> Look, right? Yes, he... Yeah, after that Charger loss to the Raiders, get that. All you got to do is slow down the theme song and when something sad happens. Someone stole Marsha's lunch or whatever. She gets hit in the face with a football. Cheating on the social studies test, Marsha? <laughs> but I, I don't know what TV executives said. Hey, I got a great way to put something into a script where we don't have to have any words. We'll just have a little bit of music in there. That's the exact theme song, but just slowed down yeah. to the sad thing that happened. <laughs> oh, he lost his job as a... Uh, <laughs> how they're going to pay the rent. <laughs> yeah, boy. That show used to have the best sports cameos. They did. Fun. I think Joe Namath. Yes. Uh, Deacon Jones, I think, was on there. Uh, was Fred Dreyer Probably. on there, I think? We should Google how many uh, how many athletes was Kareem on there. Oh man, that's a good one. I don't know if Kareem was on there, but you know they uh, didn't. Joe Namath he was he was there to teach Peter how to throw the football. He, yeah, just coincidentally, <laughs> he was at the taco joint down the street, and he's in the backyard, which has astroturf. I know they had astroturf. That probably hurt Joe's knees worse. Yeah. <laughs> How about yeah, Joe Namath is in our backyard. He's in full uniform, face mask, <laughs> eye black, jet uniform. I know. <laughs> and, and we were entertained. Well, the only reason why I watched is the girls were good looking. He was at Ralph's grocery store around the corner in full uni. And just stopped <laughs> over the Brady's. He's buying a six pack, and uh, <laughs> hey, uh, Joe, you're buying a six pack. Yeah. Hey, could you come in my backyard? I'd like to learn to throw the football. Sure. Yeah, Mark. He's got a big game this week. <laughs> yeah, Mark. I was going to say, speaking of uh, cameos with somebody in their full game uniform, Mike Piazza on Baywatch, he's swinging a bat on the beach. <laughs> I mean, in full uniform, swinging a bat on the beach. Yeah, he's wearing stirrups. 
All-star Mike Piazza? (laughs) What are you doing on the beat? What are you doing here? Yes, Todd. I see something here that says uh, Don Drysdale, a very special guest of Southern California's favorite family, was up to him to stop Greg from being the dropout. (laughs) Don Drysdale. Because that's who you want to have. You're going to have Don, the the late Don Drysdale. It started out where he's like, he wanted to drop out from school. And And then Don Drysdale. (laughs) Is that because he's going to be a a superstar uh, singer? He's Johnny Bravo, isn't that who he turned into? <laughs> yes. Didn't he have his like alter ego, Johnny Bravo? <laughs> yes, Paul. Yeah, Don Drysdale comes to the house. He happens to be friends with architect Mike Brady. What a coincidence. <laughs> How does an architect hang out with the greatest pitcher on the Makes sense. Dodger? I didn't, Mike, I, Mike didn't have much of a life. I yeah. never saw him get out. There's another episode where the Peters team is the little football team. They're wearing, by the way, jeans and helmets <laughs> at practice. All of a sudden, Deacon Jones, all pro for the Rams, walks up in a leisure suit, for God's sake. Hey, kids, here's how you head slap Jimmy. And, you know, we we were so young watching the Brady Bunch. Like, you're not processing it. It's not like somebody said, uh, what, isn't that strange that you got Joe Namath in a full uniform there? Hey, Don Drysdale's to, trying to help your kid not, not be a dropout. Sure, I'm going to believe it. All right, let me take a break. Uh, more phone calls coming up. And uh, an interesting, interesting story about a musician who is canceling a concert on Saturday so he can go see the final four. If you got tickets to that. Back after this on the Dan Patrick show. Love sack, the sectional. Remember when Will Ferrell sat down on the couch in Los Angeles and I said, that's a sectional. He said, excuse me. I said, yes, that's the love sack sectional. You can charge your phone. You get the surround sound. You got the uh, woofer in there. Harmon Carden speakers. First of all, the couch is so comfortable, and it's the most adaptable couch. It's the world's most adaptable couch. And uh, you have the Lovesack Stealth Tech. So what that means is the system that's in there. So you already have the configuration. You can shape it however you want. How you know you want to have it curved? You want to have it straight? Fabric type? It's all based on what you want. So it's fabric-specific, layout-specific tuning. You got Dolby Digital Surround Sound by Harman Kardon, and you have the uh, wireless charging. All these features are hidden inside the sectional. It's great. The world's most adaptable couch now features Love Sack Stealth Tech. Learn more about Love Sack and Stealth Tech on lovesac.com. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. It's a showcase of the immortals, grandest stage of them all. Don't miss the most stupendous two-night WrestleMania in history, streaming April 2nd and 3rd, only on Peacock. All right, here's the story. Um, Now, let me get a couple of phone calls, and I'll get to this story. This is a musician who canceled a concert so he could go to the Final Four. Uh, Let me get to uh, Todd in North Carolina. Hi, Todd. What's on your mind today? Hey, good morning. I've got a song for y'all, and it's appropriate for your your next story, sort of Tar Heel related. Okay. Okay. All right, here we go. It was 40 years ago today that he told the world how to play. He's been going, never going out of style, and he's guaranteed to raise a smile. So may I introduce to you the greatest of all time, Michael, Michael Jordan. Thank, Hello? thank you, Todd. Hello. 
<laughs> I thought it was a Todd Mock headline song. What? I like the hello at the end. Are you still there? Hello? We're still on the air? Hello? Man. But Jordan hit the shot yesterday, didn't he? <laughs> hello? Is, is, is that Mock? He- what did I miss there? Is this on? Hello? <laughs> this on, Dan? Hello? I lost him. We're going to have that. We're going to probably clip that. We'll, we'll drop that in occasionally. Hello? Yes. He- it's never a good sign when you say, what am I missing here? Well, I, I didn't know what it was about. I thought it was the anniversary of Jordan hit the jumper against Georgetown was yesterday. I think. But I don't know what it's the anniversary of. And it wasn't a mock headline song or a limerick or any of those things. I don't know what category that goes in either. Hello? Hello? <laughs> Jay in Vegas. Hello? Hello? Hey, Jay. <laughs> First time, uh, long time. Appreciate you taking my call. So, uh, real quick, man, since you got uh, the topic, uh, you know, people are doing impressions. So, I've got a suggestion for Todd Fritz with an impression for, you know, if he would like to tackle the uh, whole stand-up comedy uh, thing again. So, um, so when uh, Todd Fritz has an example, when he went in uh, with the uh, section row seat, I think he, he could have benefited for somebody uh, coming in immediately after he, he, he hit the punchline with a, and there's a joke by Fritz. Give it to the crowd observational humor lies that end. At the last minute, you can see Todd Fritz is beating little eyeballs as a joke is starting to come together. And he comes in hard with the section, row, seat. And oh my God, this place is going crazy. Hello? Hello? <laughs> Thank you, Jay. Is on? What's going on today? <laughs> what? Who's, it, that an, who's that an impersonation of? I don't know. We might, Havlicek stole the ball. It, was that Johnny Most? It was it the down the stretch they come guy, like the, the horse racing guy. I'm not sure who he was doing. Right? Yeah, Paul. Are we getting calls from another sports radio show? I don't know. Like they're listening to that show and the numbers going to us. I have no idea. <laughs> Trying to get a hold of Jim Rome. Who's high pitch? <laughs> yes, Marv. Maybe he should have went to prison so his uh, impersonation would have been as good as RJ. Mm. RJ was on. Yeah, RJ did a pretty good job yeah, with he, his because he didn't want any problems. No, not in prison. Uh, Terry in Rochester. Hi, Terry. What's on your mind today? Hey, Dan. How you doing today? Good, sir. Good. I, I got some, uh, I was talking, I remember talking to my friends. We used to say, man, growing up, I remember that year we went to the movies like 22 times in one summer, man. And it was the year Predator came out, which was 87, man. We went to go see the Predator, Full Metal Jacket, Beverly Hills Cop, Lethal Weapon, Untouchables, La Bamba, Raising Arizona. Fatal Attraction, RoboCop, and, uh, Damn. man, that, that was a great year, man. And uh, I got another question for you. Okay. Who would you say are the two most story franchises in the NBA? <laughs> so so we went from 80s, eight, 1987 movies to most storied franchises. I, I would say it's Lakers-Celtics. It's not the Knicks. Yeah, Paul. 1987 box office, Dan. Beverly Hills Cop 2, 153 million. Platoon, Fatal Attraction, Untouchables, Three Men and a Baby. That made some dough. It did. Uh, Secret of My Success, Michael J. Fox was crushing. The first of the lethal weapons, Predator, Robocop did well. Dirty Dancing, you love that. Of course. Full Metal Jacket. 
My wife and I reenact that scene, you know, where I, I lift her up. That's nice that you yeah. do that. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Yes, Todd. I'm not going to be ignored. I'll never forget that. <laughs> you know, the rabbit in the thing in the pot. Oh, my God. She, Glenn Close played a really good evil character. I would bet the adultery stats dropped dramatically the six months after that movie. There, there's got to be a study out there that, that like, uh, nobody cheated for like seven months. But, but if you went to the movie, you know that your wife is going to say something. Yes. Like, so, you know, or you might say to you, I, I would be proactive, I guess. I'd say, so, you know, what would you do in a situation like that? <laughs> How do you like your rabbit cooked? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Oh, a couple of good movies in that. Uh, Adventures in Babysitting. Peak Elizabeth Shue. Oh! Ooh, white hot. Yeah. yeah. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. That's a good movie. That's, that still holds up. The John Lo- Candy is the best. Yes. Yeah. The Lost Boys. That was big at the time. Mm. Is that Reading Kiefer maggots, Sutherland? Yeah. yeah. Reading Maggots. <laughs> Eddie Murphy Raw made $50 million for a stand-up comic film. Wow. Production costs under a million. Yeah, but how much did he spend on that leather outfit, right. though? That's what I want to know. It cut into it. Yeah. Why is it that you'll have certain comedians who wear leather on stage? It looks like it's hot and uncomfortable. Dude, Martin Lawrence, he came out one time in a leather outfit. I was like, dang, this dude's got to be dying up there in those lights. <laughs> if you haven't stood in front of those kind of lights, it is warm. It is really warm. Like, even the lights that we have on my side of the man cave, so the temperature in here is 67 degrees on my side of the man cave because these lights get warm and it's that's why letterman letterman studio was you could almost make ice cubes in there and you know they didn't want you to be dressed overly dressed the people who worked behind the scenes at letterman they all wore these jackets during the show freezing yeah marv no i was gonna say speaking of eddie murphy leather suits they were like purple and red they weren't even like black leather like martin lawrence wore like black but like Eddie, yeah. Well, when Eddie, Eddie came out, yeah, you know what? All right, Rocco, yeah. Rocco. <laughs> when Ed came out, man, that's one of those you go, uh oh. Like he, he, he looked like he was a just a panther, a lion. He was just like prowling back and forth. Chris Rock does that. Now I'm curious. Yeah. Did you see where Chris Rock's uh, ticket sales? He's going on tour. They've skyrocketed. What a coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> um. So his uh. So here's the uh, average tickets sold jump between 150 and $200 a ticket to about 250 a ticket. And let's see. So he's doing a comedy tour. And I don't know who he's out on tour with. But uh, yeah, it doesn't say. But uh, he's, he's doing a stand-up comedy tour and tickets uh, have skyrocketed since the incident here. All right. Speaking of tickets, some fans are really upset that Eric Church, big time country music fan uh, star, he is uh, a big North Carolina basketball fan. Eric Church had a sold out show at AT and T Center in San Antonio, scheduled for this Saturday. He said that he is going to cancel the concert so he can go to the Final Four, and he. Uh, He had a message to his fans that said, This Saturday, my family and I are going to stand together to cheer on the Tar Heels as the team has made it to the Final Four. As a lifelong Carolina basketball fan, I've watched Carolina and Duke battle over the year, but 
to have them match up in the Final Four for the first time in history of the NCAA tournament is any sports enthusiast dream. He also said, this is the most selfish thing I've ever asked the choir to do. Give up your Saturday night plans with us so that I can have this moment with my family and sports community. However, it's that same type of passion felt by the people who fill the seats at our concerts that make us want to be part of a crowd at a game of this significance. Artists aren't required to publicly declare why they cancel a concert. You can go back to Adele with the uh, Las Vegas postponement. She didn't have to tell you why she was postponing it. Gave different reasons. Somebody in Vegas said they just weren't ready. Plain and simple. She didn't like the way it looked. They weren't ready. Yes, Todd. Don't you got to separate church and state in a situation like that and still do the concert? Okay. See what you did there. All right. Yes, Paul. I kind of like that Eric Church. He seems like a smart guy. He gives the honest reason. You don't want to go like laryngitis, and then they see you there on a cutaway at the Final Four going, let's go here, screaming his his head off on TBS. Anybody have a problem with Eric Church canceling a show a couple of days out? If you had tickets to go see Eric Church, and he he hasn't announced if he's rescheduling that date. That's a toughie. He's got to do like a a double for them, where it's like a a bigger, better concert for those people who pay for the tickets. A lot of people make plans months in advance, people come into town. Sure. Yes, Todd. You can't, yeah, the average fan may not be able to reschedule that. That's their date that they plan to go all this time. And just because his favorite team's in the Final Four against Duke, I know it's a monumental uh, matchup and it's never been done before, but I think you got to do the concert. Well, here's what I was wondering. If you're Eric Church, didn't you think North Carolina was going to make it this far? <laughs> like that, that was my first impression. If you're a Carolina fan and it's the Final Four, you probably are thinking far in advance that uh, I can't have a show on that Saturday night. Yes, Todd. And now the music's been changed for the Final Four. It's a little sad. They took it. They stole it from Brady Bunch, but still. All right. All right. All right. I, I like it though. That's a, that's kind of a once in a lifetime thing. That's, this game is monstrous. Yeah. It's awkward, but it, yeah. Well, okay, he said it's the most selfish thing that I'm going to do, and he hopes his audience understands that. How do you make it up to a fan base in San Antonio if you don't... Now, you're going to... You can't give them their money back and then give them a concert, a free concert. Uh, you could pony up yourself. No, but how do you do that? That Well, you, you, you credit them back, but those people have are like registered for a free pass. When he comes back, he would have to, like, eat that one. That's the way you turn it around PR-wise. No, but I'm just saying, how do you do it where you can scan something when you go into the AT&T Center in San Antonio that says, okay, you bought tickets, you got refunded, but you you get to go to a free concert? Yes, Eden. Yeah, you got to have it at, like, like a state fair kind of venue, like a huge outdoor thing, maybe where it's just a free concert mm. or you bring some buddies along and have Ooh. some awesome cameos or something, just make it into a bigger event. And it's just free for anybody. Yes, Todd. I think you also add a raffle where the winner, you have to go to their house or their backyard and perform a private concert. No, and you can raise no, a lot of money for a charity no, with the raffle. No, you're not doing that. I think you should. No, no. You just do a nice big free concert. Yeah, Paul. Do you remember in the early days of MTV, they used to do things like that? The first ever MTV promo was, uh, remember John Mellencamp had the song Pink Houses? Yeah. They were going to paint your house pink, and Mellencamp was going to play in the backyard. And some some guy in, like, you know, Jackson, Tennessee won it. And can you imagine, like, 
Hey, hey guys, come on over. We're painting our house pink and there's melon can. Yes, Seaton. Yeah, they had that, a similar thing MTV did once in my neighborhood where the John Bon Jovi, they were giving away his parents' house there. And it was like, oh, yeah, here, this is where John Bon Jovi grew up and MTV's there. And it's like, here you go, you know, Jimmy Lipper, you won the house. Yes. What the heck? Yes, well. I think I mentioned this before, but Dan, you remember the band Foghat from the 70s, right? Oh, yeah. How popular were they? Pretty big? Slow Ride, Fool for the City. They were kind of a hard rocking band, right? Yeah. They had a thing, in, I think it's The Loop in Chicago, a popular rock station, where the most call-ins from a certain high school and Foghat would play like your graduation dance. <laughs> I was too young to remember. I was like eight, but my high school, Marion Catholic High School, a Catholic high school with nuns and priests, yeah. won Foghat to play at the gymnasium. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, all the penguins, all the nuns are sitting there just clapping away to fog Wait, out. did you call them penguins? I can. I went there. <laughs> wow. We, we could call them. <laughs> wow. You did it. I didn't call them penguins. Not to their face. I got my knuckles wrapped. Where you had to put your knuckles, your hand on the your desk, and and we were talking, and we got caught talking, and uh, the nun took a ruler, so my knuckles were right on the edge of my desk. And took a ruler and wrapped. I'd never heard that. You know, I came home and my I had to tell my parents I got my knuckles wrapped, and I it, it was you know punishment. What'd you do? I was I know it didn't matter what the punishment was. It was well, what did you do? Yeah. And I remember one time I was talking in class. Yeah, go figure. I earn a living talking. And I get pulled out of class. I'm out in the in the I'm in fifth grade. And I'm standing outside. And uh, I think it's Mr. I don't even remember who the teacher is, but I stand outside. And the principal came by, Sister Ann. And she said, what are you uh, outside for? And I said, well, I was just coming back from the bathroom. And she said, well, why don't you go into the to the class? And so I walked in and then the teacher said, I thought I told you to stand outside. She got the biggest paddle. I, it had to be about four feet long. And, I mean, it, Babe Ruth couldn't have swung this paddle. Did she have a good stance? Yeah. I assumed the position in front of the class. Had to reach and grab my ankles. And got whacked. A couple of times. Had to go home and tell my mom that I got whacked. And then she said, well, what'd you do? Were you talking? And I go, yes. Said, well, you deserved it. I go, okay. In my grade school, 7th and 8th grade, we did have SWATs, they called it. It was the same thing. It was a smaller paddle, and you either got three SWATs or a detention, but you got the choice. And there was a couple of tough kids in our class, and they go, we'll take the three. I mean, just a couple, like, <laughs> these are the guys you didn't mess with in my grade school. And guess what? This was public school. This was not Catholic school. Oh, man. 8th grade public school, it still had SWATs. Yeah, Catholic school, they had to discipline you. You know, public school, they didn't discipline you. Yes, Todd. I, I just I can't get my hand my head around like that you're actually you guys you guys got hit in school yeah that they were allowed to like do that yeah. and especially knowing the way the world is now like that you well could, you like, couldn't get away with it now but back then it was okay to like, hit kids yes. in the classroom yes yes he, we had the uh, the Catholic school I went to was the Sisters of Mercy which was <laughs> not <laughs> appropriately named <laughs> um, but yeah I remember I was a, I was young I was. I don't know, first, second grade maybe, and I had a tail. Remember, kids would have a oh, tail. Oh, your tail? Yeah, I had one of those. Oh. And I, uh, the. I would swat you for having a rat tail. No, no, well, it turns out you and uh, <laughs> sister have a lot in common because, yeah, she grabbed me by the back of that and led me into the office. She's pulling on it so hard, and she said, 
my dogs have tails and my cats have tails, but my students do not have tails. Wow. And I had to call my mom. Crazy. Wow. Dang. Yeah, Paul. The, sister, uh, the sisters of occasional mercy is where he went to. <laughs> occasional. We'll take a break. Uh, we'll come back. we got more phone calls back after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Mike check. Mike check. If you want exclusive insight from the biggest names in the sports game, what's good? This is national champion and former pro baller Chris Johnson. Let me tell you a little bit about my new series, KJ Live. KJ Live is the only show featuring me going one-on-one with the brightest basketball minds on the planet to get the real. And when I say real, I mean that real. I got legendary Hall of Famers, elite coaches, and the top basketball insiders bringing you a unique perspective on all things hoops culture that you will not find anywhere else. To make your next move your best move and tap in with me on KJ Live wherever Get your podcast from. Barry in Santa Fe joining us on the program. Barry, what's on your mind? Hello. Hey. Hi, Barry. <laughs> Good morning, fellas. Good morning, chat. Ro, you were talking about um about uh Namath on the Brady Bunch a while ago. Uh the uh Danettes may be a little bit be a little too young to remember Mr. Ed, but there was an awesome episode where Wilbur and Ed visit the Dodgers during batting practice, and Ed hits a gapper against Sandy Koufax, circles the bases, and slides home, and the catcher was kind of scared, and he jumps up, and he jumps up on the backstop. And, uh, oh, Wilbur, my wife's an egg. All right. Well, thank you, Barry. Yeah. Mr. Ed. A horse facing Sandy Koufax. We just watched Baywatch, a clip with Mike Piazza's on the beach. So Mike Piazza is on the beach with his jersey on and his hat on and a bat. So he's swinging the bat on the beach. And Pam Anderson, of course, is the lifeguard, and she runs a really tough beach. She walks up and she goes, why are you swinging a baseball bat? And he says, I'm a baseball player. Got to keep my swing right while we're on strike. And then and then she goes, okay, well, just don't hit anybody. <laughs> I don't know if anybody swings a bat thinking they're going to hit somebody. But uh, then there's a, a woman in distress in the water. And uh, it looked like she's in about, I don't know, a foot and a half of water. But <laughs> she gave the impression she was drowning. And uh, Mike Piazza comes to the rescue where he... He takes his his own life in his hands and go, goes in there and, and uh, you know pulls her out. What a hero! Yes, <laughs> got credit for the save right there. Yeah, yes, Paul. I went to a beach and Pam Anderson with a lifeguard. I put weights in my shorts and jump into a <laughs> to a riptide every third hour. Yeah, it's funny too is that when you watch clips like that now in context of seeing the the show that's out now, uh, Pam and Tommy or whatever it was called. Yeah. And the whole time, she's like, I just want to be taken seriously as an actor. <laughs> like, they don't, they never, they cut all of my line. I have this big monologue, and I'm really excited about it. And then they cut my monologue, and I just, I'm never going to get to prove that I'm a serious actor. Yeah. And then you watch that clip. <laughs> I never watched Baywatch. Never. With the sound up. I mean. <laughs> and I just thought, God, they're really slow runners. And then you realize, you know, it's obviously slow motion there. Yeah. But they are always running 
Slow. Yes, Todd. So barbed wire was never up for an Academy Award, which is where the black leather in the mid-90s, you'd think. Uh, Jason in Nebraska. Hi, Jason. What's on your mind? Hey, Danny and Dan. That's love you guys. Uh, this would have been better yesterday because uh, Fritzy is killing it today. He's uh, Mr. Funny Man. But uh, those times uh, when he's not so funny um, for entertainment and content purposes, instead of Paulie putting his head down... Uh, it could probably just get up and go slap him. Give me the old slap a And then, um, and then for this is a question for uh, Jimmy Jimerson. Uh, could you help me understand as a as a basketball fan and and just a sports fan? Uh, the final four teams I've noticed all of the reporters and and much people like yourself have said that the teams are very well cultured. Just wondering if you could expand on that. Go Mets. Suck at Piazza for that. All right. right. Thank you, Jason. I, I think they say, I don't know if they say they have great culture. The basketball culture, Dan. Yeah. But I think they, they're all led by great coaches. Let's go to Jimmy Jimerson let him sum up the Final Four. Jimmy? Well, that's what you're seeing here, Dan. The Final Four, uh, the Blue Bloods are back. You mm-hmm. know, it's the, uh, the Villanovas, the Kansases of the world, yeah. the North Carolinas, the Dukeses, <laughs> the Dukeses of the world. Kansases. <laughs> it's really about locker room culture, Dan. Oh, Winning it. culture. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's about making your free throws and cutting down turnovers. Guard play is going to be really important. I mean, you limit the turnovers in that first half. I give them a good shot. I mean, we're talking Duke here. Okay. Duke, I mean, do North people Carolina. realize that? I mean, we're talking about Villanova, okay? I mean, I don't think people realize that, okay? We're talking about Villanova, okay? <laughs> One day we have to tell people who Jimmy Jimerson yeah! is based on. Nick in Arizona joins us. Hi, Nick. What's on your mind? Hey, it's uh, Nick and AZ. I'm a 20-time caller right now. All right. B2 Hundo. Okay. Hey, so you guys were talking best year for movies, and me and my buddies always talk about this. My year is 96. So if you look up the list of 1996, it may not have the big, big punch, but the quality and the depth is unbelievable. From Happy Gilmore to Mission Impossible. So take a look. All right. Well, thank you, Nick. Paulie is uh, scanning right now. Mike in L.A. Hi, Mike. Hey, Dan, how's it going, man? Thanks for taking my call. I, sure. I got a quick question. Hey, you don't have to go in depth, I mean, unless you really want to. But um, out of all the guests you've ever had, who stands out the most as the one person you wish you could have celestially slapped? <laughs> I, I'm not slapping anybody. I'm trying to think, you know, Tanya Harding may have wanted to slap me. I, I think we're, you know... the. We do reach out to people that we think understand the show. Therefore, if you ask a question, something that could be off color, off putting, trying to poke fun a little bit. But I, I don't I don't think there's anybody that comes to mind where I'd you know, I'd be angry at him. Yeah, it's time. I think you've come short of slapping me for putting on certain guests that didn't really live up to the expectations of the interview. Well, that's the only time you would even be remotely violent. But I don't believe in corporal punishment. Right. But even then you wouldn't actually slap me. Yeah. You slap me with your eyes. Ooh, and that could be even worse. <laughs> That's much worse. Yeah. All right. More phone calls coming up. Final hour. Dan and the Dan at Stan Patrick Show. One more item. We close out hour two, and it's Stiefel. S-T-I-F-E-L. They've been helping people like you for over 130 years. We all have different ideas about success. We achieve it at different times in different ways. 
And if you've recently changed jobs or considering retirement, you're probably thinking about your own version of success. Striving to reach your goals, maybe it's time to start thinking about investment portfolios, retirement accounts. This is where Stiefel comes in. Just the beginning of what they do, helping you understand the many options, claiming Social Security, implementing an investment portfolio designed around your needs. You also, as a client, have access to Stiefel's award-winning equity research and investment strategy views, enabling you to make informed decisions regarding your hard-earned wealth. Health. Invest in your success. Find a Stiefel financial advisor at Stiefel.com. S-T-I-F-E-L. Stiefel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated. Member SIPC NYSE. Stiefel.com.